Jerry? Yes, Jason. Is the microphone on? Yes, Jason. Shall we begin? Yes, Jason. Computer Blue, the fourth track on the Purple Rain album, is the lyrical focus on this episode of the Press Rewind Prince Lyrics Podcast. I'm welcoming back to the show, Jerry Bonner. Hi, Jerry. Hey, Jason. It's been uh, been a bit, but I'm uh, happy to be back. Yeah, yeah. Computer Blue, this is, this is the jam, man. This is a great song from the Purple Rain album, and I think it's one of those that gets overlooked a bit. Uh, would you agree? Most definitely. I, you know, I... Um... I always default to, uh, you know, what, what Chris Rock uh, said about Purple Rain. It's like there's, and you know, comparing it to, uh, you know, Michael Jackson's Thriller in a sense. You know, there's no baby be mine on uh, Purple Rain. Every, every song is a, uh, is a jam for for yeah. sure. It's it, it holds its uh, place in history that way. You know, but certainly you know in that respect to saying you know that every song is is great and it uh, you know it's a song that you know an album that you can just play back to front without you know skipping anything. Uh, mm-hmm. always yeah for sure and this song is interesting from the aspect of its song length and where it fits in the album and on the movie so the song is credited to not just prince but also members of the revolution lisa coleman wendy melvoin and matt fink but also his father john l gets some writing credit on this song so it really feels like a a true collaborative event uh, in the same maybe same vein as like let's go crazy or you know baby I'm a star so in in the respect of the movie at this point you know to give context to the song in its place in the film it comes on shortly after Prince and his dad have a confrontation about you know um, the kid's mother and apparently you know the, the two of them had a fight again you know another one of those battles that the, the, the parents in the film undergo several times throughout the movie and then the kid and his father have a discussion about relationships and his dad asks him if he's going to plan on, if he plans on marrying this girl that he likes and I think he says something like never get married or I'm paraphrasing but essentially he warns his son never to marry yeah, don't ever get married yeah. yeah don't ever get married and right that is kind of like leading it right into this performance of this song yeah right the the the, the opening strings kind of happen still as that scene is playing out yeah as the scene is ending and you know the kid's father obviously is uh pretty whatever you want to call it strung out kind of bug eyed and you know says never get married and kind of looks him dead in the eyes and then the strings kind of kick on you know that beginning of their you know, you know that little you know the guitar kind of wailing kind of starts and then it kicks onto the stage so yeah yes definitely yes yep and then all we see at this point is uh, a shirtless and sweaty prince on stage performing the song and at this point in the song most of the song is not performed with apollonia in the audience even though you have to assume that he and his all, well, she as well as his parents 
are kind of the muse and kind of the inspiration for the songs, lyrics, and the performance that he has for the film. And then he, then of course, just like on the album, the song bleeds into Darling Nikki when she arrives with Morris. But we're not talking about Darling Nikki. We're here to talk about Computer Blue. And the version that is played in the film and that's on the soundtrack is about four minutes long, which is, oh, about ten minutes shorter than <laughs> the longest version that exists of this song, which is fucking nuts. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy because this song is is already very, um, I don't know, improvisational in, in kind of tone and sound. It's very, it's primarily instrumental, at least the version that we get on the album. And to think that there's a, another version out there that's 10 minutes longer, you know, just boggles the mind. And the way I understand it, I haven't heard the full 14-minute version because what we ended up getting on the Purple Rain Deluxe was even a shorter version of that. Yeah, it's it's hard to imagine. I mean, I I I know of the fourteen minute version too, and I've never heard it either. And you know, hearing you know the the hallway speech version, it always kind of um, you know blew my mind as well. I mean, the first time hearing it, it was just uh, you know I always liked Computer Blue, but then hearing this you know kind of expanded version of it um, for the first time, you know, I, I was I remember it distinctly because I was actually in the shower. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had it you know playing like a Bluetooth speaker in the shower, and I was like holy mackerel i mean this you know it takes it to just takes the song to a, a whole nother level and that was something you know obviously prince at that time could he could always do it but at that time specifically it seemed like he was just kind of channeling something else where he could make uh, you know something out of nothing almost immediately and it's just so you know it's so impressive just you know how he, you you for so long you know so you know just one version of a song and then you hear something Similar, but then again, you know, completely different as he evolves the song or kind of as it plays out. So, yeah, that, the hallway speech version did really strike me um, as just something amazing when I, when I first right. heard it. Yeah, same here. Same here, for sure. So, we're going to do something a little different with this podcast episode. Like, normally, I just stick to the official released versions that were on albums or, you know, like on b-sides of of singles but i feel like for computer blue yeah we could have done that but there's there's only one verse in a very short chorus and the rest of the song is instrumental and knowing that there is now an officially released version of this song that was on the purple rain deluxe edition released in 2017 and as you alluded to it's kind of been dubbed the hallway speech version I really feel like that's the version that I want to cover for this episode because of how interesting a lot of those aspects of the song's lyrics are, the, the version that we didn't originally get. It, it really fleshes the song out more from a, from a thematic standpoint. I mean, obviously more lyrics are able to tell a, a bigger story within the song. And a lot of the themes that he's talking about in terms of like you know the song has titled computer blue but you really get a sense for who is the computer <laughs> you know what is the computer that he's referring to in this song a bit more by listening and by um deciphering a lot of those additional lyrics i mean at least for me personally what about yourself yeah obviously i mean it um and the thing to me I, I, you know it's um I guess this really kind of deals more with his his father's influence on the song as well. 
you know, listening to the, the extended version, um, it really it kind of it, it scratches the surface on on themes that he explores, obviously, in uh, Around the World and Day, um, with songs like Temptation and the latter. I guess this is kind of the beginning of that, you know, that... And we'll get into it, I guess, as we, we discuss the lyrics, you know, especially the expanded lyrics um, a bit more, but... Yeah, it's, you know, it's definitely... I think the version that we need to, to discuss that really kind of addresses, you know, the, the expanding or the, the greater themes of, of what this song mm-hmm. is about, for sure. Yeah, and one other thing I wanted to bring up, I mean, for a lot of people that listen to this podcast, this is very... Uh, well-documented and understood information, but I just wanted to say it anyway, just in case anybody who's listening wasn't sure or didn't know why this version of the song was was truncated so drastically. So there was the version that was originally meant to be on the album, which I don't know if that was exactly the hallway speech version or if they even had a different version. We're going to assume that it was somewhat like the hallway speech version, the version that we got on the deluxe album for lack of more information, I guess, on my part. But it was reduced down to a much shorter four-minute version just to include Take Me With You on the album. It was decided that there needed to be this ballad with Apollonia that um, kind of soundtracked an important section of the movie when they're driving around out to the country to Lake Minnetonka, quote-unquote Lake Minnetonka. (laughs) And uh, so, you know, the, the format of a vinyl album and a cassette didn't allow for both. You couldn't have this anywhere between eight to 14 minutes of computer blue plus take me with you. So they did what they had to do. And I mean, I I always loved this version of computer blue. The four minute version was perfectly fine. It was not, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just that once you hear the extended version, um, that's like the definitive version then from anybody who listens to it. <laughs> yeah, point. I mean, it's once you hear it, it's yeah, it's like Pandora's box is opened. You, you can't really go back. You know, yeah. it, it's out, and it's okay. It's like well, you know, and you, and you get. I mean, that was kind of the, the thought that you know now you know hearing that. I mean, it's why didn't I hear this version back in 1984? You know, so <laughs> that was yeah. Where, where was this in 1984? Even on the radio. I mean, the radio sometimes you could you would hear the DJs on the radio or the radio stations would get these extended versions and that would be kind of the only way you would you would hear them. Yeah, yeah. Better late than never, though. Better late than never. <laughs> Better late than never, and I'm happy to have it. So the song opens up very famously with that spoken intro between Lisa Coleman and Wendy Melvoy and two members of the Revolution, the only two women in the band. Wendy? Yes, Lisa. Is the water warm enough? Yes, Lisa. Shall we begin? Yes, Lisa. The lyrics are, Wendy, yes, Lisa. Is the water warm enough? Yes, Lisa. Shall we begin? Yes, Lisa. So, uh, I was I was a kid when I heard this, and all I heard was sultry female voices asking vaguely erotic questions. <laughs> Uh, I don't know if it was just because I was just entering into puberty and it was just that time for me, but I I took, me and my friends, we took this in a very dirty direction, I guess. And I can't be the only one, right? I can't be the only one. No, no, I mean, it it obviously, and... You know, knowing again more, you know what, what Prince is about, and and uh, even the the imagery in the, you know, the When Doves Cry video. I mean, he had a thing 
for baths and, and giving women baths and the whole ritual of, of that. And my educated guess would be it's obviously referring to that, you know, with the, the whole bathing thing. And yes, it does have, they wouldn't be using the, the, the tone and inflection in their voices if it wasn't meant to be. I'm sure, you know, they were directed by Prince to make it, you know, sound, you know, sexy. And so, yeah, it definitely, as a boy of that age as well, I was, you know, 13, you know, upon, you know, the first time hearing this. And of course, you know, you're, that's where your, your mind goes. One's mind can go a lot of places because it is so vague. I mean, it's so unexplained in the context of what we end up getting. And it, it offers very little besides just two women talking to each other. And there's discussions about water. And, you know, and they, so let's say hypothetically the water is bath water or, you know, some sad, some sort of, you know, shower or bathing water. Uh, if it is that, that also implies then nudity because most people don't shower or take baths with clothes on. Yeah, most certainly. <laughs> if it's not, then you can think of it maybe from a standpoint. I mean, I've, I've read a lot. I've tried to do a lot of reading about this because it's always intrigued me and so back in the day, you know, my friends and I, we had visions of it being some sort of, um, you know, lesbian bath ritual, which, you know, both women are lesbians, but I didn't know that in 1984. Yeah, um, I mean, that's that's an interesting question. I mean, uh, you know, did they even know that in 1984? I, you know, they, were they even a couple then? I mean, that's yeah, what... they were. They were. They yeah. had been dating um, around that time and slightly before that. So they knew. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't. <laughs> you know? No, no, right. I mean, that's the thing of it. And, you know, that, you know, that, of course, at that time, it really wasn't anywhere near as accepted as it is now, you know, to, to be an, you know, out, even females, you know. So, you know, I, I don't think that would have went over too well, you know, back well, yeah. in 1984. So. And, and Prince, and Prince never really, if he knew, he never um, asked the, the women to play that up it was always they they kind of played in the band i feel like they were asked to be um more heterosexual acting for example hello in this in this particular performance of this song in the movie right right wendy, wendy pantomimes providing yeah. oral sex to to the kid on stage so there there's obviously some direction given to continue just being that kind of vaguely sexual but little indifferent persona that the women had and that's that was that was always very intriguing to me where they kind of acted like they were above it and maybe better than you <laughs> in some ways <laughs> i kind of liked it a little bit at the time sure yeah <laughs> yeah i've okay. also read that um this can also be looked at as a potential like baptism so it goes back to the whole religion and sex intertwined themes that prince was very famous for doing i don't know if you've ever heard that theory I have not, but I mean, it definitely, you know, makes sense in terms of, um, yeah, I mean, Prince always had that, you know, the the raging conflict between, you know, his sexuality and his religion. So, I mean, if it was, you know, meant to be more of a, a, a taken as a baptism, um, I could see that for sure. Yeah, and I've also read, I didn't know what to call it when I was younger, but the, like the whole, like, dominatrix style of, of sexual fantasy fulfillment. You can kind of get a bit of that from, like, if you're thinking maybe Prince is involved in this, and it's a, a, a potential threesome, menage a trois, you know, he may not be saying anything, but he is the submissive, and 
once again, this is not this is not a theme that was unexplored by Prince. Anybody watches the the music video for Automatic sees a very similar type of encounter played out there in the at the end of the video. Just swap Jill Jones for Wendy Melvoin, and and you've got a very similar type of, of visual aesthetic. You know, this kind of again extrapolates that. You know, you can you can definitely go from that to this and say, okay, he's just playing upon you know similar themes he was in, in Automatic, where mm-hmm. yeah, he's he's bowing to a a woman's you know a, a computerized or a robotic woman's you know wishes, in a sense. Mm-hmm. I would yeah. definitely uh, you know take it from that. Yes, no no doubt. Anything anything more on this opening section that you wanted to talk about? I feel like we went through a few different <laughs> potential hypotheticals. Sure, yeah. No, I mean, I like you, I mean, you know, again, being a younger male growing up, I mean, I, I immediately went to the the first thing we spoke about. But, you know, <clears throat> you know, the, the just being, um, you know, a, a kind of a sexy, sultry thing related around maybe, you know, giving each other baths and that kind of thing. Whether Prince was involved or not, you know, was kind of a moot point. It, you know, at least it was just, oh, this is, you know, it, it's titillating, right? It grabs you. You don't hear too many, you know, pop songs or however you want to, you know, opening in this respect. So it's definitely an interesting opening and, and or hook. Yeah, very, very penthouse forum like. <laughs> where you know, so there's a reference I haven't heard in a while. Yeah, <laughs> penthouse forum like where you're really, you're right. really forced to use. You'll never believe you what happened to me. <laughs> I had these two women that uh, asked me to take one my clothes off. Give me out. a bath, and one was they insisted upon being robots or something. I don't quite understand. Very odd. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know it is. It is a bit of an odd opening, but it's it's completely memorable, and I think I read a. Interview where it was either Lisa or Wendy, where um, people would say, like, "Oh, how do I know you guys? You know, hey, we're Wendy and Lisa, musicians. Wendy and Lisa. So how do how would I know you?" And all they have to do is just say, "Wendy, Lisa." (laughs) Oh yeah, yeah. (laughs) And they're like, "Oh yeah, I know exactly who you are now." So sure, yeah. For better, for worse, they've, and I think they've embraced it. I mean, it's you know. I mean, to be tied to this album in this in this era, there's nothing to be ashamed of at all. So they've been totally embraced it, and, and even if they're not entirely sure what Prince was intending when he had them say these lines, they totally embraced it and enjoyed like the experience of being part of this kind of odd uh, moment in pop culture, <laughs> for sure. No doubt. Okay, so that that is how the song opens. And then we go into some, you know, some musical aspects of the song to get the start song going. It kind of starts chugging along a bit more. That portion of the song is is spoken over, just kind of like a robotic uh, synth beat and, and drum machine. And then we get a little more of the music added in, the do 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 do, with more of the drum beats behind it. And then it kind of explodes. Prince screams and then the song explodes into what we what we typically know Computer Blue for. It's a it's a really uh, high energy, what I would call like a synth rock song in many ways. But it's it's one of the more like rock and roll songs on the album besides maybe Let's Go Crazy. Um, you know, from a from a technical standpoint and how it's performed. Purple Rain obviously is a rock song as well, but 
this song and Let's Go Crazy, I think, are the two most upbeat rock songs. Baby I'm a Star is upbeat as well. So it's just, I don't know. This is more like avant-garde rock, though, than some of those other other songs on the album. This almost feels like it could be, you know, on some sort of um, avant-garde uh pop rock album from the 80s and and really people look at this album as kind of an avant-garde album even though it was massive and 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 popular some of the the ways that the band performs this song and how it goes in so many different directions and and we'll talk about the the father song interpolation into it as well it just you know it's very it's very complex and it's it really does a good job of interspersing different musical ideas into one composition i think and that makes it so cool definitely i mean it's to me um and especially again on the the extended uh, version of it um I, I just love you know prince's guitar work on this song you know if you ever want to play something for someone you know that you know if that doubts you know prince was a you know a guitar god you can play this song and again especially the extended version where he really kind of lets it rip i hate to use the word like i wouldn't say progressive but it you know it definitely does a lot of things that um really kind of marry different mm-hmm. kind of philosophies and, and and musical styles again right for a huge massive you know record um and movie, you know, you, you just wonder, you know, how it it all worked, but it does, and that, you know, it, it's it's still obviously classic. So, and then yeah. here we are talking about it, you know, so many years later. So, yeah, the, the song is great. So then the first verse is, where is my love life? Where can it be? There must be something wrong with the machinery. Where is my love life? Tell me, where has it gone? Somebody please, please tell me what the hell is wrong. Okay, so in the first verse, he's asking questions. Not, I mean, I just did the beautiful ones prior. This was the song that came before Computer Blue on the track listing. Purple Rain and in that song he asks a woman a lot of questions and here he starts right off on Computer Blue asking more questions but he now he's asking questions of himself I think and it's more it's not like external questions expecting answers these are like hypothetical questions where he's just kind of pondering uh, the state of his his love life basically and, and how um, the angst he's feeling over maybe a relationship that isn't going exactly how he had envisioned in his mind which of course mimics the film because at this point in the film he's having relationship woes with apollonia she seems to be gravitating toward morris day his rival and it's it's really kind of uh, uh, confusing to him and he's having a hard time dealing with that so he's asking about his love life what where is it where's it going what's happening here and and to use the the terminology there must be something wrong with the machinery obviously just it matches the the theme of the song computer blue 
We haven't really talked about, you know, the the use of, of technology in the song to kind of um, replace human emotions or humanity or or you know flesh and bone. So, when you hear this first verse, Jerry, what kind of um, kind of things jump out at you? Well, obviously, I mean it it directly, you know, relates to, to the film. I mean, we, we, you touched on that. Um, he's wondering why. <laughs> You know, uh, she's choosing, you know, to, to hang out with, with Morris and let Morris, you know, shepherd or, or be her, you know, be, you know, her, uh, whatever you want to call it, Svengali or, you know, not him. Um, you know, what is it that's wrong? What is he doing wrong? And, you know, how can, I mean, what, what he's plaintively kind of asking, you know, where, where has it gone? I don't know. And, you know, and again, knowing it's hard not to draw, you know, from the film when you talk about this song, especially because it you know, obviously direct, you know, kind of directly relates to things. You know, I don't know. Maybe you shouldn't have, you know, whacked her across the face when she comes to see you <laughs> late at night. Yeah. Yeah. You think? <laughs> you know, maybe that's where it went, buddy. I, I don't know. <laughs> it went right I mean, out the I mean, window. you bring up a good point. <laughs> it went right out the same window she came in when she was bringing you, you know, coming to see you and bringing you a nice guitar and then you whack her across the face. Yeah, it's you know it's he's he screwed up and you know wants to know you know where's my where's my love where's my life and you know she's um, a big part of it. Although in the film it does seem kind of quick and kind of truncated, but um, you know that they're already kind of at this this level. So yeah, you know he, he did something wrong. He's you know wondering you know where she has gone and I I, I can't really you know I I would like to maybe you know extrapolate more. I'm sure there's people who have other theories and um you know but it's hard not to obviously you know tie it to the events in in the film and it makes me wonder i guess you know what what came first i mean was it the script of the film or was it the song and which which played off which like in a, in a chicken and an egg um you know philosophical question did computer blue come first and then the script of purple rain or did the script of purple rain come first and then you yeah. know the, then computer blue so this was recorded in august of 83 uh, I don't know. Yeah, that's a good question. I'm not sure about the timing of when he finally, when he got a final script for the for the movie and when these songs were being written. I kind of feel like they might have been around simultaneously, but I don't know that for a fact. Right, right. And you know, the, the funny thing that always I, I always go back to my youth and a little bit of kind of emo uh, t- young teenage jer. I remember, you know, I was totally had a crush on this, you know, this girl in you know my eighth grade class and you know she had you know wanted nothing to, to do with me in a sense and I, I remember writing the line in my notebook you know somebody please please tell me what the hell is wrong in relation to that why doesn't this girl like me <laughs> <You know? laughs> and just you know doing this kind of like little design around you know that lyric in my uh in my what i don't even remember i think it was my english notebook you know being very emo if you want to before that was even a thing i guess <laughs> yeah, emo before there was emo. Yeah, he sounds very confused in this verse. Like, I mean, I as I mentioned, I don't think he's really asking questions that he expects somebody to answer for him. Sure, they're definitely rhetorical, but but they're also they're looking inward, looking inward, and, and he doesn't say like I messed up. <clears throat> uh, but you can you can kind of maybe imply like he's he's trying to take some ownership. But not yet. I mean, no, no. It takes him a while to get to that. Yeah, it takes him a while to get there, and this <laughs> verse doesn't really give you that glimpse of that he's really kind of owning up to his part in 
the uh, the failure or the the, the possible failure, you know, the, the possible failure, the muddy, the, the murky waters that are that he's navigating in with this relationship. He's just kind of pondering and, and really just in the in the space where he started to try to figure it out. Really, is what I'm getting from this. He's he's asking questions because he's hoping that by asking the questions, maybe he's going to you know be presented with some with some answers that he gleans from it you know self-reflection i guess okay so uh, after that first verse the chorus is till i find the righteous one computer blue he repeats it again till i find the righteous one computer blue so that's the chorus till i find the righteous one you know i just get from that the righteous one is the woman or whoever i mean i guess you could take it this a different direction and look at it from you know again the the religious aspect of it but i never i personally never looked at it there's a lot of like religious songs in this album that you could take both ways let's go crazy i would die for you for example are two famous ones purple rain even a little bit but i never really got that from this song i'm sure maybe others have but to call somebody righteous, I always took it more from the slang standpoint, like, you know, a righteous chick or a righteous babe, you know, <laughs> you would see that or hear that in in the 80s as, as something that was a descriptive term that was meant to be very complimentary. Yeah, I mean, that's the way I always took it. Um, somebody who's worth your time till I find, you know, a woman who's worth my time and effort, I'll, I'll be sad. The computer will be sad. Yep. And, um that's the way I took it. And again, yeah, righteous can be obviously taken to the religious context of, you know, the moral righteousness or, or you know, philosophical righteousness in, in a sense. Um, but yeah, at, at its face value, until I find a girl that's worth my time, I'm going to be sad. Yeah, and the fact that he also calls himself a computer in this verse or in the chorus here, it really kind of goes back to the whole technology and human emotions and and trying to figure out what is he what is he saying here so i've got some theories but i wanted to hear what you well not really theories but just some thoughts on the whole topic of technology in this song and how and why you know prince calls himself a computer because he's he's saying he's going to be blue computer blue you know and that's an interesting take, you know. I think it's a really interesting take. So, what what kind of thoughts do you have on on the chorus and how he refers to himself as a computer in this song? You know, and again, from my understanding of you know Prince as, as his career went on too, he always seemed to uh, like the religion, like the you know his kind of struggle between his you know faith and and sexuality. Um, seemed to struggle between. Um, using technology and not using technology. It seems like at certain points he was fascinated with what technology could do and, and maybe was one of the first people who really, you know, used that, you know, and, and innovated with that in certain ways using the, you know, the synth sounds and the, the synth drum sounds. Um, but then it, there seemed to be times when he would completely turn away from that and then go, you know, completely analog rather than digital. And, um, I think it, it, it computers obviously it, it's, it's fascinating because it's you know very binary right it's on or it's off and um, I, I think that's maybe what he's referring to here you know it's um, his own duality you know and computers are, again it's very dual it's just you know ones and zeros right it's on or it's off yep. and um, that's you know what I would take away from it and you know knowing 
you know, Princeton, he was a, he was a smart guy. He was referring to that, you know, the, the duality of the computer. You know, it's it just is what it is. And, um, you know, so those two things are basic, my basic takeaways. Again, and later in life, you know, it seemed like there were times when, you know, he loved the Internet and loved what it could do. And he was, you know, you know, distributing music exclusively through the Internet and his own, like, little clubs and websites. And then there are times when, you know, he was like, later on, it's like, oh, the Internet's over. I mean, it's, it's all done. And I'm not going to use streaming services. And then... Yeah. And he turns around and does that. and <laughs> Yeah, very love-hate, hot, cold. Very love-hate, exactly, yes. Yeah. yes. He loved it at times, hated it at others, and used it to its full capacity at times and then completely ignored it at others. So, yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. There, there was always that. And even going back all the way to 1983-84, when computers in homes were still kind of a novelty and a lot of people didn't have them, they had never used them, and to use computer i don't know like in 83 84 a computer was like for me and i know that there were plenty of people that had home computers but i didn't and so for me it was more like this i had i had just gotten a commodore 64 the the year before like i I got it for that christmas christmas of like 82 or 83 so yeah it was new to well i mean my father was a computer programmer so we always kind of had that stuff sure sure and, yeah, and my, my parents were not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so uh, it was a very, like, the thought of using a computer was very intimidating to me. I remember taking, like, a computer programming class when I, like, during the summer one year, like, 82 or 83. And it was just super intimidating. It was just, like, the basic, you know, type in this, these series of. Uh, keys and commands and then you can watch a a thing move across the screen you know like a little blip or whatever and just it didn't make any sense like how is it that i'm typing this stuff and then i hit enter and then this thing happened i just could not make the connection at that time i was just too young and computers were too uh too foreign to me but i just i just found it like pretty progressive of him to even be talking about computers in the context of a pop song in in 83 84 without him you know being like you you thomas dolby blinded me with science type sure yeah, uh, yeah. nerdy uh nerdy musician you know that that's really just looked at as you know somebody who does a bunch of programming and, and spits out a, a pop song uh, he was he wasn't that way or at least he didn't convey himself that way uh to us as as listeners of his music he seemed like you know like this 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 rock star you know basically and and to have that integration with the geekier, nerdier side of of technology, I thought was interesting, and it really kind of spoke a lot about maybe to his actual personality, you know, versus what was always being portrayed by by him to to the public. But one other thing I wanted to bring up is that I, with computers, you know, it kind of implies to refer to yourself as a, a computer kind of implies that you're you're using like some sort of operating system that you're not in control of. Like a computer just can't control its functions. It needs it needs outside or external forces in order to work properly. A computer is only as good as the person who's using it. It's only as useful as the person that's programming it. And it's it's I get the sense that he's trying to say like he can be reprogrammed. Like he can be used for good or bad or for a number of different things if he has the the right external stimulus or the right external forces help driving him 
like and it kind of goes back to this whole feeling of helplessness like i'm just a computer you know i can't i'm smart and i have a lot of capabilities but i need that other person to kind of interact with me in order to get the most out of me sure i mean it, you can only the computer only takes what the you know the input that that the programmer or the user you know gives uh, to it and you know you can take it as two you know, the input that he's gotten in regard to relationships, you know, i.e. his parents, um, hasn't been the greatest. So he's just, you know, mimicking what he has seen all his life. And that obviously shows through again in, in the movie. Um, you know, his father's obviously a bit abusive and, you know, he's kind of following in those steps. Now, does he have to? You know, is the, is the programming, you know, irrefutable? Can he you know, reverse the programming or can he change the programming yeah. um, that he's received all his life in terms of watching you know, his parents' interaction? You know, he, even, he calls them in the movie, obviously, at one point, you know, a freak show. So, you know, can he circumvent that and yeah. become something more? Yep. Can this poor, lonely computer be reprogrammed? Right. The poor, lonely yeah. computer. Yes. <laughs> and so, I mean, sorry. Right, so let's move on. Um, the next verse actually is, well, that's it for the lyrics that we get on the official release version. That's it. Yep. Then it's instrumental and it's the breakdown with the father's song interpolation. And I'll just bring it up briefly before we move on to the other lyrics. Um, so the reason we believe John L. Nelson, Prince's father, gets co-writing credit is because there's a thought that the section of the song that that song was a piano composition that John L. wrote that Prince turned into a guitar solo. And ultimately, Prince turned that into a standalone song called Father's Song. It was used in portions to soundtrack the film dur during certain scenes um, when he was like introspective scenes of the film and also scenes involving his, his the father in the movie. But it was integrated into Computer Blue as kind of like a, a bridge of sorts. Um, that, I'm assuming that's what you understand as well. I mean, I know it's not been confirmed, but that's the widely held belief. Oh, sure, yeah. I mean, he takes, you know, his, his, his father's composition, you know, where the father kind of almost challenges him in a sense. It's like, yeah, they're all mine and they're all different. I don't, I don't need to write them down like you do, that kind of thing. Obviously, that you know, turns out to be kind of a, a lie when you, at the end of the movie when he comes across all the, the sheet music. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, most certainly. I mean, and, and hearing... Um, Again, the extended version of, of Father Song, and this really kind of blew me away, as this extended version of Computer Blue does. Um, just, you know, how kind of synthy and spacey it kind of gets at the end after the kind of the, the initial, you know, piano part. And again, it's, it's one of those that just kind of like, man, I wish I would have heard this in 1984. I don't know if my brain could have handled it, but still, <laughs> it's so cool to hear where he took these songs. You know, and yeah. where he was going with them, and you almost feel a little bit cheated. But yes, definitely, Father Song is incorporated for a, a very specific, you know, thematic reason.
So the second verse that we don't end up getting, unless you listen to the hallway speech version, is where's my baby? Where can she be? Somebody please, please tell me what is wrong with me. Where is my baby? Tell me, where has she gone? Somebody please, please tell me what the hell is wrong. So that is the same, very similar style of lyrical content that the first verse has, the verse that we end up getting. You know, it's it's a lot of the same stuff. He's asking questions. What's going on? Where's this girl? What's wrong with me? You know, he, once again, look, looking internally, what's wrong with me that's causing this, these problems within the relationship? What's, what's my role in it? You know, what's wrong with me? Why isn't that she's not staying with me? Or what, why are we fighting? Uh, so I don't know. I don't really get... There's nothing much more I don't think we need to say with the second verse unless you have anything additional kind of the same stuff yeah it's it's pretty much you know just reiterating you know what's in the uh, the first you know verse you know just plaintively kind of asking you know what's wrong and where the problems are mm-hmm. and how can i address them i guess you know but yeah still pretty much the same yeah agreed okay so then there's a lot of you know instrumentals there's there's like an ad lib where prince says computer's on the verge of a breakdown and this is before some more guitar solos and uh, and as I mentioned, this song was a, a true collaboration between most of the members of the Revolution and Prince, where I think like various members came up with different ideas for like a synth pattern or you know a guitar break or something, and Prince grabbed them, put them into the song, made them you know perform them in a in a way that he saw fit for how the song would flow, and. Then we get this another spoken interlude between Wendy and Lisa. So we kick the song off. And, and I guess let me just interject real quick, Jason. Yeah, in yeah. the musical part, and I, again, I always find it interesting how those things kind of hit you. Again, when I, when I first heard this extended version, um, there is a musical kind of like synth part, break part, where it's used in the movie, actually, briefly, um, where Prince comes on the stage and brown mark and you know and uh doctor and you know and uh are kind of practicing and he wonders where wendy and lisa are and when he comes onto the stage that's what they're playing they're playing that little part in the movie like it's, it's actually in in this song mm-hmm. and it's like when you hear it it's like oh that's that little part in the in the song where he you know he comes on the stage and, and wendy and lisa haven't shown up for practice and he gets angry and it's like but you, you just hear those little musical snippets and it's like oh why would you just take that little part and put it in the movie but it, there's a lot of that you know when yeah, you're not giving us that version right you know these extended versions of these songs and you hear little parts like oh it's in the movie and that, that's that it's in that little part in the movie and so it's you know that to me was interesting as well in, in some of that you know you said expanded music that he used maybe from his, his bandmates and there's just that little hit of it in the middle of this, you know, extended version. So I found yeah. that interesting. Well, yeah, the movie was meant to kind of infer that the revolution was a very creative and, and talented band and Prince wasn't really utilizing them in the way that they felt was appropriate. Like, you know, he was too much of a control freak and um, didn't want outside input. I mean, that was kind of one of the, I wouldn't say even the B theme, like a C or D theme or C or D plot in the film was this, his strained relationship with his bandmates because of his inability to kind of let go of control. And that that scene that you mentioned where they're playing that implies to me that 
you know, they're working on kind of cool aspects of the songs and trying to make them better and more interesting. And at the end of the day, <laughs> I know the version that we end up hearing on stage in the movie doesn't even include that. You know? Yeah, that's nothing of that. Yeah, like the cool stuff that that Wendy and Lisa and Strongmark and Fink and Bobby Z are all doing, uh, independent of Prince, just get ignored because Prince didn't come up with them. Or the, I'm sorry, the kid didn't come up the, with the them. The kid, yes. This isn't this isn't this isn't a biography. And yeah. It's hard sometimes. Semi autobiographical, Jason. Come on. <laughs> yeah, because we all know that uh, that Wendy and Lisa didn't write Purple Rain. You know, basically, like how it's implied how it's portrayed in the movie. Yeah, yeah. right. Exactly. Poor lovely computer. It's time someone programmed you. It's time you learned love and lust. They both have four letters, but they're entirely different words. next spoken interlude between Wendy and Lisa that we get on the hallway speech version is you hear them say poor lonely computer it's time someone programmed you it's time you learned love and lust they both have four letters but they are entirely different words poor lonely computer poor poor lonely computer do you really know what love is and I personally really enjoy that because it gives a little more clarity, I guess, to the opening section about is the water warming up. I mean, yeah, they're talking about completely different things. I mean, they're not related directly by saying, okay, now I know what the water is because of this section. But it brings it back, brings the two women back to like this robotic um, spoken section. And you kind of get a feel like it's the same two women at the very beginning of the song that are talking to Prince or the kid and it's it's just more of like chastising him and or I don't know it's hard to describe what I yeah, got yeah, I mean I take it as like almost like condescending or you know kind of yeah looking down on him it's like oh you, you know you poor little thing yeah you know, how yeah. can you not figure out the difference between love and lust and you know why are you struggling with this and uh, you know we're gonna have to teach you, I guess. You know, yeah, obviously, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Get that. I get that. Ah, and that kind of even speaks a little bit more to the the whole uh, pseudo dominatrix vibe. Sure. That, yeah. Right, right. Like instead of teaching him about you know matters of of carnality, they're gonna teach him something else, or maybe something a little deeper and a little more meaningful. I kind of look at this section when they're saying this. So they're saying poor lonely computer, which as we've already kind of alluded to, Prince is the computer in this song, the kid is the computer. And it's I get almost a little bit like Prince is chastising his younger self for choosing lust over love, maybe more often than he should have, or maybe you know, with some reflection, he's like, Boy, I, I didn't always choose the right person to be with because I was choosing, you know, lust over love or lustful intentions or casual sex or whatever you want to call it over what potentially could have been true love and and as that as a potential personality flaw in his younger self maybe at this time we know that he's starting to kind of approach the point of his career where he he starts looking back at his younger self and thinking maybe i'm i need to change my ways i mean it doesn't happen until the next album with with temptation but maybe it started as early as the recording of this album. 
know. Yeah, you would have to think that. I mean, again, hearing this, you know, immediately, especially, you know, it's time that, you know, you learn the difference between love and lust. Um, immediately drew me to, you know, the around the world in a day stuff, you know, the ladder and temptation. You know, I said, and this is the, the you know, the, the beginning of that, that, you know, the little kernel or the little seed that became mm-hmm. you know, a bigger, a much bigger full-formed idea in, in stuff he was doing, you know, in around the world in a day. And he really seemed to have a, a real crisis of, of conscience and, and or faith that on that album, you know, with, with these decisions, you know, trying to choose, you know, between what real love and lust and obviously has the whole conversation with God and, and all we, you know, later on in those albums, um, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, it's not the way it works and all that. And this is very similar to that, except it's, you know, it's a, a, a computer, you know, or, or these robotic females telling him the same things that kind of God said to him on, on, uh, you know, temptation. Yeah. I almost kind of wonder, like, and I just thought of this as you're mentioning the kind of the connections between temptation and, and computer blue and Wendy and Lisa and this song specifically, I wonder if the, if he's kind of giving them like almost sounding like above him in a figurative sense, but also like almost like in a literal sense. The way I heard it, you know, that that would immediately jump to the the God voice and temptation. It's just it's just kind of a maybe a toned down version. You're talking more about something more concrete as a computer rather than a, a deity, you know, telling you, you know, you're you're wrong and you're going to die because you can't figure this out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it is, it is, it could be interpreted that way, where you could think of them as. Yeah, that's the way I took it. These, so, yeah, these godlike creatures, these beautiful godlike creatures that are going to teach Prince or the kid what what love really is. And um, so, yeah, that section of the song I really enjoy. I, I, I dig that because I really like how it ties back to the beginning in the use of the same the same style of voice in the spoken word section. But it also adds a lot more more meat behind the lyrics and more um, meaning behind what the song is. Conveying with the, with that, and, and before, like in the verses, he's talking about just how confused he is about, you know, why is this relationship failing, and what, why doesn't she like me? What's wrong with me? Oh, what's wrong with you? Maybe is because you're, you're you don't even know what love is. You don't know how to love or be loved. You're looking at these situations, these interactions with women in a lustful manner, and not in a way that that you can be your true self or even show what these women that you have the capacity to love. And that's where, you know, we kind of get the feeling that this, these are the core reasons why your relationships are failing, dude. So let's, let's correct that. Let's reprogram you and figure this out. Figure this out. Yep. No doubt. <clears throat> There's some more like really fun. Everybody uh, wave your hands in the air during another keyboard break. But we're gonna skip all that because that's just you know to help kind of guide the song along and give some some things for people to say around over the. Yeah, it's just a, it's, this is the, the fun part before we get serious again. The hallway speech section is what's next, and 
For the sake of time, I'm going to read them all, but we're not going to like talk about every single line. So I'm just going to read the lines for for us and the listeners, and then we're just going to kind of talk about maybe what what are some things that we see throughout the whole thing, not just line by line. Okay, so Prince now uh, does his own spoken word section, and he speaks it kind of quietly. You have to really be paying attention because there's some music going on in the background. Yeah, it's, it's hard. It actually is kind of hard to hear over the, the music. Yeah. So it's nice that it's that we have some, some lyrics to read. He didn't like living home alone. The house where he lived had many hallways. It was a long walk to his bedroom. Because to him, each hallway represented an emotion. Everyone vastly different from the next. One day, while she was with him, he decided to name each one of them. She was at his side, one hand on his thigh. No, wait. She was sort of half a step behind him. Yeah. The grip on his thigh intensified as they walked slowly through the corridor. He named the hallway Lust, and as they passed through the next one, he named it Fear. The grip she now loosened, so he walked faster, her hands now trembling. She let drop to her side as he wrote the word Insecurity. He looked in her eyes and smiled a demon smile, and quickly walked on to the next. Corridor after corridor, he named almost all when suddenly he stopped. He picked up the word hate. She was gone. So he picked up the last one. Pain. Ooh, okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> there, there is. There is. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you begin on this one, Jerry. Oh, so good. <laughs> let me know what your kind of thoughts are on the overarching like idea of what he's trying to, to tell us here with this section. Yeah, I mean, I, I obviously again, it's it's very intriguing and very interesting, you know, the, the, to hear something like this in a song. It's it's almost like a you know a spoken word kind of thing, and almost like a little you know story interlude or a short story contained within like a you know the the, the poetry or the verse of a of a song, because this obviously doesn't have any of the same you know, conventions as a, as a normal song. It's just a little, like I said, little short story kind of dropped in the middle of this song. I mean, you know, he he wants to, to me. It's you know, it's taking it at its face value. He's you know, trying to I guess take this woman you know on the journey of his life with him and and showing her various aspects of of that. And some are good and and some obviously aren't. Um, it seems though we're seeing a lot of the the worst traits here. I mean, if you want to attribute you know, lust as as being you know bad as one of the you know the seven deadly sins. It seems like that kind of thing almost. He's taking her through kind of a. A menagerie of, of sin here, you know, lust, fear, hate, insecurity, pain, not showing, I guess, the, the, the prettiest sides of his own, you know, psyche or, or inner workings, you know, but then, you know, obviously she leaves by the time, you know, at the end when things get really difficult. Yeah. Um, and so there's a lot of that. I mean, it's it's very, it, it almost seems like a, like a dream, right? You would have a dream like this. And maybe he did. Maybe he was, you know, you know, I don't know that for a fact, but it seems like, you know, it seems like a dream journal entry in, in a certain way. You could, you could say as well. You're walking through these corridors and somebody's with you, and you know, at certain points maybe they're not, and and you know, one you know, you feel different emotions in each corridor, and um, you know, none of them are pleasant. And but when you need somebody to be by your side, they're they're gone. And I think yeah. that's kind of what he's he's saying here is that you know, when I needed you the most, when things got painful or, you know, hurtful, um, you know, you were gone. 
Okay, so we know Computer Blue basically is a song about his inability to to love, his inability to maintain a relationship because of some personal flaws he has that he's trying to, you know, self-reflect on that. What the hell is wrong with me? Where's my love life? Well, this, for me, this hallway speech section really kind of helps us and, you know, the, the performer understand what the hell is wrong with him so he doesn't like living alone so he obviously likes the idea of being in a relationship and sharing himself with somebody else and it's and he's living in he's so this house is his you know his his self this is him he is the house mm-hmm. and as he's trying to show this woman who he is but unfortunately all he's showing her, like you said, is all this negativity and these these things that uh, re- kind of represent the um, the unsavory or the unflattering portions of a person's personality. Sure. Yeah. I mean, so, yeah. There's a place for lust, fear, insecurity, hate, and pain. But when right. that's all you can show somebody else, and, that, and you're giving them a tour of your quote-unquote house, meaning a tour of who you are. And all you can show them is lust, fear, insecurity, hate, and pain. You you can't expect anything other than a failed relationship or for her to just leave. Because that's what he says. She was gone. After he picked up the word hate, she was gone. She was gone, yeah. She was yeah, gone. I mean, you want to show, you know, I, I think if you truly love somebody, you know, you show them your, your best and, and your worst. And, uh, you know, you don't get any of the best in that, obviously. You know, mm-hmm. his, his good sides, you get all the... You know, I don't know though. I mean, you can take it to as you know, it's maybe he's opening up and showing her the, 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 the terrible sides and saying, Okay, I love you and I trust you. You know, I'm going to show you these terrible things and hopefully you'll stick around and hopefully you'll still love me. And obviously, you know, in the, in the context of the song, she doesn't. And maybe that's what he's taking it as is, you know, it, you left me when I needed you the most and uh, or when I was at my worst. If you don't love me at my worst, then you don't deserve me at my best. Yeah, yeah. Is it is it that kind of thing he's saying here? Maybe, maybe. Yeah. But if he if he is, he needs to. Uh, <laughs> he needs to get to the best part. <laughs> he needs to lead in with that and not yeah. do all this other stuff. I mean, he says in the line, he looked in her eyes and smiled a demon, a demon smile. smile. Yeah, that, I think that's very. Off to the next corridor, and stopped at hate. So that that's some scary shit. So uh, if you're, <laughs> this is already after you've shown her that you're insecure, which he's also very insecure in the film. The kid is super insecure because the minute Apollonia starts talking with Morris, he gets all jealous and insecure about that. And yeah, almost even before that, because remember the one part she's like, uh, he gets, you know, right after they have their whatever, their love scene, and he gets off the motorcycle, he's like, you know, she, she's like, I can't see it till later. He's like, why? <laughs> I have something to do. It's like, who, who, you know, he's immediately questioning her motives or where she's going and what she's doing. I always found that, even as a kid, kind of odd. But yeah, how how almost possessive he was immediately. Oh, yeah. yeah, super insecure. So yeah. he shows all of these emotions in the film. The kid does. I mean, the lust part, of course, because he sees Apollonia out in the audience at the beginning of the film. And he's like, well, okay, I need to talk to her because, goddamn, look at her. Yeah. And then you got um, you got fear, sir. Fear of you know losing his spot in the in the lineup at First Ave, I guess. You know, fear of showing or allowing his bandmates to become an integral part of the creative process. Fear of them usurping his position as the leader of the band. I don't know. 
um, insecurity. We just talked about that insecurity towards, you know, again, his bandmates insecure about his place, insecure about his own talents potentially, but also insecure in the relationship aspects of allowing Apollonia to even interact with Morris. And then hate, you know, hate is the, the part, like you had mentioned, where he smacks her. I mean, that's that comes from hate and also the learned hate that he had growing up in the house that he did with his with his volatile home life situation. There's a lot of hate in there as well. And um, then the pain he feels from the fact that he unfortunately has all of these these personality flaws that are coming to the front and people aren't seeing often enough the good parts of the kid and I think that if this hallway speech really explains to me a lot of what this song is truly about and helps explain a lot about the kid who the kid is in the film yeah and then you could definitely see why knowing that or taking that away from that you knowing why he wanted you know this extended version in the film and, and or the and on the soundtrack because you know, it's it, a shame Didn't you know, make yeah it. it's it's a missed opportunity but now here we are talking about it so yeah they needed they needed that they needed that cute little love song take me with you which is a great song but... no it's a great it's a great pop love song no, yeah no. it needed to be there it yeah. needed to be there so i get it i get it i think a lot of this as much as we love it and as much as we geek out over it if this song on the album and no take me with you and you just have like this eight nine minute version with all of this stuff and this this hallway speech version Ah, it might have been too much for a pop audience. It really might have. Sure. I, maybe. I maybe. Yeah, I would agree. Okay, so then after that, um, there's more music and more ad-libbing on Prince's part. You know, he talks about on the verge of a breakdown. You know, he's talking about himself, of course. What is life without love? It's hell, Computer Blue. And there's another section of, of lyrics. You know, and a lot of these lyrics towards the end of the song... They feel like just kind of, I don't know, I say ad-libs, but they probably weren't. None of them were probably true ad-libs from the stance where he just made them up on the spot. He says, father, father, the sun is gone. The dawn, the dawn, where's the dawn? And, um, you know, I mean, not to get too deep into the religious aspects of this, because I don't, I personally don't get it as much as other people do. I would have to, like, talk to somebody who's doing a really uh, in-depth job of turning this album into a religious album, which I've I've toyed with writing about that, because you can almost take every single song on this album and apply some sort of religious context to it. And with lines like "Father, Father, the sun is gone, the dawn," <laughs> that just adds more to it. Even though I don't really know exactly what he's talking about here. Well, I think yeah. Again, I, I think it. I think it, it was either right at the end of this phase or at the beginning of kind of the around the world today when he used to, you know, use the "May you live to see the dawn" was kind uh-huh. of his little whatever you want to call it, his little catchphrase, or you know, yeah. he, you know, in, in the liner notes and things like that. It was on uh, this album that he. That he used it. And the, it was the first. Yeah, it was in a. You live to see the dawn. You live to see the dawn. Yeah. yeah. 
you know, yeah. I mean, and it, again, it, it bleeds over, you know, into the stuff that he was talking about on, you know, Temptation and, and the latter on the next album. You know, dealing with his father, dealing with those emotions, and or you can, I mean, is it the heavenly father he's talking to? Is it his own father, um, or does he see them as kind of both in a way? So yeah, I mean, you know, he's it, it, he's in a dark place, right? The sun's gone. I, I'm waiting for the dawn. I, I need the dawn to kind of give me the rebirth or make me feel better. You know, I'm in a dark place. It's it's scary. I need the dawn to get me through. You know, or show me that there's hope. Yeah, and that obviously yeah. has the very religious. You know significance which you can you know pile on top of that if you want but that's the way i take it i'm scared it's dark i need you know the dawn the redemption i, I need you know the sun or you know make me feel better and kind of know that everything's going to be okay yeah yeah it's like he's kind of turning like after this self-reflection and after this this dreamlike scenario with the hallway speech sure. he's looking maybe for some guidance for some um, divine guidance and he's asking God questions. Shall I go to church on Sundays? Shall I stay home and pray? Shall I try to make her happy? Shall I try to make her stay? And I think it's just like you said, it's just going back to the, he's looking for help, looking for assistance, looking towards God and, and right. Is he talking, is he still talking to the father there yeah. you know, is that who he's asking, you know, these questions, you know, what I'm, I'm lost in the dark and I need guidance. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then the outro, we get more of Wendy and Lisa doing, doing their bit with the spoken word section and they... Close it out with narrow-minded computer. It's time someone programmed you. It's time you learned women are not butterflies. They're computers too. Just like you, computer blue. Chauvinistic computer, it's time someone programmed you. You fall in love too fast and hate too soon. And take for granted the feelings mutual. You're computers too. Just like you, computer blue. Uh, so yeah, this, this that section just really kind of ties it all up in a nice little bow. <laughs> you take those three sections, really. If you take the middle section where where they're talking about poor lonely computer, take the hallway speech, and you take this spoken outro, you've got basically like the, the makings of you know an explanation. It, it's all laid out there for you. What this song is trying to say and none of that was in the version we got no doubt so yeah. it you takes feel it cheated. <laughs> yeah i feel cheated, feel cheated. Bit, <laughs> this song is, is is super deep you know yeah. it's it, it's super deep and it, and it really really explains a lot about the kid because once again this is a song for a soundtrack can't look into it too much i mean yeah the man wrote it and a lot of stuff has you know some real truths behind it but 
you also have to just also take it to a great with a grain of salt like he's writing the song as maybe the character of the kid who we know is a as a seriously flawed individual and this is saying that he's narrow-minded and he's not looking at women the way he looks at himself he's looking at that like he says we're not butterflies we're complex we we women uh are have just as much emotional uh, baggage and potential for growth and failures as as you computer we're no different you have to start treating us like we're all on the same playing field and you may be able to understand us better if you look at us not from the standpoint of lust or even just something like a butterfly where it's like this beautiful fluttery thing that needs to be protected or you know it, it can it can float away with the, the slightest breeze because it's so light and airy no we're like this this complex uh, computer that can be programmed you know from birth to be a certain way and if you want it to reprogram it you got to put in the work you know you have to learn about us you have to learn how we what our operating system is how we how we communicate and what makes us tick and then then you might be able to figure out uh what's wrong with you and why these relationships are failing and they even call him chauvinist you know yeah, that one. That one kind of, you know, kind of. It's you know, that one's a, okay. Yeah, that uh, hearing that like chauvinistic computer. It's okay. That's yeah. a, that's an interesting choice of words, obviously. Yeah, I mean, the, there's there's been, um, you know, kind of like in our 21st century view of of old uh, media, film, and music. Sometimes we look at things from a different different um, viewpoint, and there are sections of Purple Rain, the film that are chauvinistic i mean the way he treats apollonia and well the way they treat van or apollonia six i almost said vanity six the way they treat Apo- <laughs> apollonia six you know Don't like where <laughs> where no no where these camisoles and um, panties and strut around on stage and basically sell sex and um and just the way the women are treated in general in this movie. Oh, you, you mean you mean sex shooter doesn't have any any layered contextual meaning? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Is that what you're trying to tell me, Jason? <laughs> I'm saying I'm saying I don't believe it. Uh, <laughs> I'm saying that uh, yeah, there from a from a viewpoint of today, yes, there are certainly some chauvinistic and sexist elements. Oh yeah, totally. I mean. I'm sorry, not to interrupt, but yeah, the, the the scene that immediately jumps to mind and, and strikes me, and I, I found it funny as a kid, but now from you know 21st century viewpoint, is the scene where the, the woman confronts Morris on the street when Jerome picks her up and throws her in the in the dumpster, uh-huh. you know, just <laughs> out of hand, just like okay, Jerome, boom, throws her in the dumpster, and they kind of laugh about it, you know, and it's like you look at it now, it's like oh man, you know that would never ever fly today, it just you know I could I could hear. The think pieces from BuzzFeed and you know a million whatever different you oh, know, yeah. sites, you know, talking about you know how horrible you know this is. I mean, I can draw a simple conclusion uh, or a simple extrapolation in my my own life is obviously Prince. You know, and we talked about it a little bit. You know, hits you know Apollonia at the one point. You know, pretty much for almost no reason, and you know just kind of wails on her. And um, <clears throat> I wrote a, a, a screenplay, and it has something similar. I mean, a, a, you know, a man strikes a woman, and it's kind of in a, a heated moment, but much more uh, intense than, than even that. Not just you know, I'm, I'm going to work with Morris, and then boom, 
it's it's very and I, I the, the, very reactionary. Yeah, and it's but this was you know what I wrote was a little more. It, it had a lot more meaning, and he he almost hits her like accidentally in a sense. And but you the reaction to it is like oh my god he's you know he's immediately the worst person on the face of the earth, and you know he can't do you know it's like. Uh, but in you know you, you're, you're missing the whole point. It's like, yeah, I know it's not great. It's, not, it's supposed to be not great, but you know it's, it's he's not this horrible person. You know who deserves to die just because he struck a woman once, and that's you know again that's people. It was wide, not widely accepted, but people didn't react that way. You know to that scene in, in 1984. Well, yeah, he still had a chance for redemption. Yeah, exactly. Has, I mean, he does wasn't canceled. And, you can, you know, it still can be done. It's yeah, he made he made a, a, a terrible mistake, but you know, he he can still rise above it. He can still, you know, be a, a better person, a better man. And yep. Uh, yep. there you go. You fall in love too fast and hate too soon. That's, that's a really exactly. good um, description of kind of like his character. Really, I mean, yeah, he, he hates real quick. I mean, he is super quick to 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 really kind of um, show disdain or hate for somebody over the slightest offenses so that's explains a little bit of his personality right there with that line and the chauvinistic computer and taking feelings for granted um anything else you want to talk about with that spoken outro with wendy and lisa no i think you you, you pretty much you know summed it up fairly well i mean you can't help as a fan you know to a number one appreciate you know just the the virtuosity of this you know entire song in terms of you know guitar and music and and uh, you know lyrics and just you know kind of almost storytelling in a sense and that I guess to wrap that up I again when I first heard it um, the complete version it, it almost to me seems like this could be like an almost like an animated movie in and of itself like something like the wall um, I would love to have seen you know like a, something like that a short kind of film just a, based around this song you know with these lyrics oh, that yeah. was again a thought that I, I took away from it you know some trippy yeah. visuals behind it yeah, yeah exactly right using the, the animation you know on top of you know kind of this person's life kind of falling apart or i just you know that was the thought that i had it would have been super cool to maybe and maybe that's somewhere buried in the vault still who knows <laughs> who knows i'm just happy that we have this version of the song out there finally and you know in, a, in an officially cleaned up version i'm sure people had heard this in previous years i said it before in, in prior podcast i was never a bootleg guy didn't really, yeah, me neither. me neither. I didn't have like that in, you know. I mean, like if you know somebody like a drug dealer, you know, you can get it easily. You might, you might hit them up more frequently and get that latest fix. But sure. I never did. So yeah, and I, I never visit, really sought that stuff out. Too. Yeah, I never visited places like swap meets or whatever that had bootleg versions of of Prince music. So it wasn't just, it just wasn't something I did or or sought out. So I didn't hear this version until 2017. So yeah, me too. In the shower, even. <laughs> in the shower. <laughs> oh, technology, right? Yeah, exactly. Great stuff. The Bluetooth speaker in the, it's Bluetooth speaker in the shower, and you're ready to roll. <laughs> okay, Jerry. Well, I think we did a pretty darn good job of covering this, but I, uh, I have to assume that there are other interpretations of this song out there that I would love to hear. Um, now, as far as yourself, how can people get a hold of you if, if they want to say hi to you and just check out what you're doing? Uh, mostly on on Twitter, um, I'm pretty active uh, at jbonner71. Uh, um, you know, you can you know talk to me there, hit me up there if you have any you know thoughts or comments on uh, our interpretations of uh, Computer Blue. I look forward to uh, you know hearing from any and all of you. Excellent. 
I do as well, and you can get a hold of me a number of ways. I'm on Twitter as PresserWine75. I use the same name for Instagram and also have a Facebook page. So find find me there. Comment directly on the podcast website if you'd like. I have people do that, and I always respond back. And um, also, you know, I'm just going to throw this out there. I've never I've never done this before for this podcast, but if you listen to the Presser Wine Prince Lyrics podcast on Apple Podcasts, uh, feel free. And if you enjoy it, the show obviously. Uh, feel free to put a review on there and and maybe you know a, a review and, and a star liking ideally five is <laughs> best case scenario <laughs> one hope but you know obviously be be honest about your feelings towards the show and and i hope that you would rate and enjoy it so that is all for now we covered computer blue for quite a while for a song that officially only has one verse in one chorus <laughs> we we went above and beyond to give you the hallway speech version. <laughs> we did yeoman's work here, Jason. Yep. We, we, we did our we did our due diligence and, and gave you guys the version that I think is is what everyone deserves to to hear and to discuss. So you know, if people haven't heard it, they'll they'll seek it out now. Yeah, please so, do if you haven't. I would think all most big you know, most huge fans would, would you know know it, but if you haven't heard the, this extended version, this is the version to to hear. 100 percent agree yeah. agree okay well that is it then thanks jerry for joining me again thank you for having me jason and this has been the presser wine prince Lyrics podcast i've been your host jason brenninger and until next time goodbye yeah!